Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. The mature believer is what we're going to continue to look at. And uh, Ephesians 4 is where we'll begin. And I made the statement uh, a couple of services ago. Some years ago, I was at a conference, uh, and uh, I heard uh, Pastor Bob Yandian ministering. Uh, he and Pastor Caldwell were the speakers at this conference, and uh, we were there for a week. And uh, he made the statement, he said, the goal of the Christian life is maturity, is to grow up. And, uh, you know, that imprinted my spirit. Because uh, in order to receive certain things from God, I've got to be in a position of maturity to receive them. And it's, it's not just things in the sense of uh, cars, houses, money, things of that nature. The things that when, when you read in 1 Corinthians 2 and it talks about uh, the things that God has in store for those that love Him, when you read about that, uh, understand that it talks about that person being spiritual. Just run over there real quick. we got time. And uh, notice in 1 Corinthians 2, it talks about the, the, uh, the things that, that God has. Verse 9 uh, it's not entered into the heart of man, the things that God's prepared for them that love Him. But God's revealed them by His Spirit. All right? And He says in verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're, they're uh, uh, foolishness to him. He can't know them because they're spiritually discerned. And then He says in verse 1 of chapter 3, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as to spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. All right? So he says that there are things that you are never going to understand or walk in unless you grow up, unless you mature. A a spiritual person is not a person that speaks in tongues, prophesies, operates in the gifts of the Spirit, or can preach really good. All right? Spiritual people do those things, but those are not marks of spirituality. And so someone will go, well, I know that person, and, 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 you know, God uses them, and they're so spiritual. Not necessarily. Because, because you've got to look for maturity. You look for fruit. Jesus said what you look for is fruit. He said you'll know them by their fruit. Right? Watch the fruit of what they're doing. Watch people's lives. Watch for the fruit of their lives. Amen. That, that's, that's what you want. You want people to be maturing. And uh, that's the goal. Now, Ephesians 4 and verse 11, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, 
unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be no more children. Now that's an important line. That's an important phrase. Notice he says the purpose here is that we be no more children. And then he says, of course, tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, the slide of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But he makes the statement straight up, the goal is that you be no longer children. And then he moves on and he says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up, there's that phrase again, grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And so he uses this word perfecting in verse 12. And we talked about that last week, but we'll recap briefly. It means to be equipped or furnished. All right, equipped or fully furnished. Then he uses the word a perfect man. All right, in, in, in uh, verse 13. Till we come in the knowledge of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. And you would think perfecting, perfect, they mean basically the same thing, but they don't. Perfecting means equipped or furnished. Perfect means, fully, means a fully grown person or a mature man. All right? So he's saying that the purpose of the church, the purpose of the fivefold ministry gifts, is to fully equip or fully furnish the believer so that they can reach this place of full grown manhood and mature adulthood in, in, the, in what God wants them to do, all right? You, it's impossible to reach adulthood in Christ, mature Christian status, without the local church. I can't do it, all right? Because the scripture says that I can't, amen. And uh, I, I knew a, a person one time that was an evangelist, and uh, they traveled a lot and would go and minister a lot, and when they would be at home, they didn't have a church they went to. They, if you were to ask them who their pastor was, they didn't have one. And here's the thing. They would get in the pulpit and be very anointed and be very spiritual and God would use them and they would preach the word. But in their lives, in their day-to-day lives, they were very immature. They were easily offended. They were very critical. They got mad at the drop of a hat. If you didn't agree with them, you were wrong. They were very opinionated. And all of those things, understand something, all of those things are works of the flesh. Every one of them. If, if I'm critical, I'm operating in the flesh. And I've got I've to have a, a, a church that I'm planted in that's equipping me, that's furnishing me, right? Because this will be going on till we go to heaven. You'll never quit being equipped and furnished. You'll never quit growing. You never reach a point in your Christian life where you can go, okay, that's it. I don't need to grow anymore. Amen. Do you see this? So the reason for this equipping, this furnishing, this arriving at maturity is so that the believer is no longer a child. He said that you be no more children. Right? Tossed to and fro. We see a lot of winds of doctrine nowadays. And I know people have been saying that for years. But we, we, we see a lot of it. Amen. And, and, and people say, well, what do you do about it? Ignore most of it is what I do about it. But, but, but the point is, is you've you got to grow up to where you're not moved by that. What, what did God say in His Word? What do you know God said in His Word? 
that's why you not only come to church and hear what your pastor says about the Word and what God said to him, you go home and you get in the Word and you study the Word and you become rooted and grounded in the Word. That, that's what mature people do. Children depend on somebody else to feed them everything. Mature people understand, i got to feed myself. Amen. My pastor told his church for over 30 years, I want you to be mature. I, I want you to grow up because I'm not always going to be there. I'm not going to be there when the question arises. I'm not always going to be there when something comes up and you need an answer. You've got to mature in the things of God. And, and when, you, when you get involved in all the peripheral issues and, and all of these different going on in the world that don't matter, that don't, my daddy would say they don't amount to a hill of beans, right? It's, it's, it, it shows people's immaturity. Oh, glory. Now, notice verse 15. It says, but speaking the truth in love. That, that phrase means enfolded in love. So a mark of spiritual maturity is the ability to speak the truth enfolded in love. Motive for whatever you're doing is paramount. I might have to speak the truth to somebody, but why do I want to speak the truth to them? Because I love them. Not to correct them. Not to expose them. Are you with me? So I might have to speak something hard, but it's enfolded in love. It might be corrective, but it's enfolded in love. And he says that the, a mark of spiritual maturity is being able to do that. Because that, that, that will cause people to grow. I remember I was, uh, oh, 17, I guess, maybe 18. And uh, I was uh, living in Amarillo, Texas. I was part of the ministry staff. Well, I say ministry staff. I, I, was, I was there helping a pastor in uh, uh, Amarillo, Texas in a little church. Uh, 808 North Jefferson, Greater Faith Tabernacle. And... Uh, I was, I was, I was there, and uh, we were half Kojic, half Baptist, and uh, <laughs> Hallelujah! I, I was, I was, I was the, uh, I was one of the two representatives of the white branch of Kojic, and uh, uh, we 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 went to a Kojic convention, and uh, they called me Casper, and I I never knew if that was racist or 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 uh, affectionate. I I didn't know, but uh, it didn't matter. Uh, you know, ignorance is bliss. But uh, my, my, point, <laughs> my point in saying that is there was a minister that was on staff, and if he thought you were doing something wrong, he would just rip you up one side and down the other, and he didn't care who he was in front of. And, and uh, thankfully, he never thought I was doing anything wrong. But boy, he got some of my friends, and it hurt some of them. You know, what he was saying was partially right. But it wasn't enfolded in love. There's a way to say things. Amen. And, and Paul says that a mature person speaks the truth in love. Now notice Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we spent a lot of time in Galatians 5 last week, but we're going to go back. And we want to start in verse 6. You know... 
Love does this. Love, love remembers where a person's at. You, you've always got to remember that. You've you got to remember where somebody's at. What, 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 are they, what are they going through in their life? Well, I know that person. They're just in flat-out rebellion. Okay, how do we help them? See, this is the key. That there are times people are going through a, a trying time. There's times people are hurt. There's, there's any number of things. I've got to react in love. Yes, I've got to react according to the word, but I've got to react in love. This is so important. Galatians 5, 6 says, notice, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision, for faith, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. The word availeth, when he says it availeth anything, it means to have power or to exert or to wield power. To have power or to exert or wield power. So Paul is saying to them and to us that as believers, the fact that they're circumcised or uncircumcised has no power for anything in their life. Has no power. Amen. This is important. He says the thing that has the power to affect change and transformation in our lives is faith, which finds its expression through love. Faith, which finds its expression through love. The Weiss Bible says, but faith coming to effective expression through love. The Amplified Bible says, only faith activated, energized, and expressed, and working through love. The NIV says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Amen. Now, very often this, this scripture is viewed in this manner. Well, I need to walk in love or my faith for a certain thing won't work. Well, that's applicable, but... In its perfect context, Paul's speaking of our Christian walk, of the Christian faith, all right? And he says, our Christian life will never reach its effective expression without love. It just won't. There are people that you know that are not enjoying the effective expression of their Christian life because they're lacking in love. Amen. I want my life, I want what I do for Christ to be effective. The Amplified Bible says, uh, activated, energized, expressed, and working through love. Hallelujah. He says our Christian life will never reach effective expression without love. Hallelujah. So I want my Christian life to reach its effective expression. And he says, I do that by love. So in this context of what Paul's talking about, he's saying all the rules and regulations, the keeping of feast days. Remember the setting. The Judaizers are coming back in and trying to, Paul called them wolves. They're trying to, they're trying to pull people back under the law. And Paul steps up and he goes, wait a minute. When you start doing that, it hinders the effectiveness of your faith. Because you can't depend on works and faith. You, you've either got to depend all on works or all on faith. 
And if you try to split the difference, what do you get? You get lukewarmness. You get no effective expression. And he says, what brings that effective expression is faith that works through love. Hallelujah. Verse 13, notice. He says, brethren, you have been called to liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. By love serve one another. This word occasion, use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. It's a Greek word that's a military term, and it, and it speaks of a base of operation. It speaks of uh, uh, the cause, the occasion, or the pretext of a thing. And so Paul encourages the Galatians not to make their freedom from the law a base of operation that they can serve sin from. Right? The liberty, their liberty was not to be used as a jumping off place with the intention of sinning. And he says the defense against them using their liberty as a pretext for sinning is found in this phrase, but by love serve one another. By love serve one another. If I'm serving you what you think matters... How I live my life matters. Do you see that? Folks, listen. I've heard people for years in the church say, well, you know, how a pastor lives his life is important. Let me help you. How you live your life is important. Because because we're all representatives of Jesus Christ. We all represent the body of Christ. Amen. And he he said, don't use your liberty as a jumping off place to just act ever how you want, contain yourself by loving one another and serving one another. Amen. So see, that would, that would, that would, that would mean and, and that would say, I can't just say whatever I want to say. I can't just have a bad attitude whenever I want to have a bad attitude. I can't, I can't go to work grumpy and, 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 and you know, blaming on getting up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah, but Pastor, we all have those days. Now, wait a minute. What, what do you mean? I, I know we, we have difficult days, but there's no day where the Bible says that it's marked off for you to not walk in love. Amen. What did Brother Hagin you say? Y'all still out there? Have you gone home? Amen. See, th- th- this is important. Yeah, but, but you know, when I get to work, then people just get on my nerves. Well, then just make a deal with yourself. Every time you get offended, you're going to give the person $50 that you got offended at. I know what you're thinking. You better stop at the ATM. But now, now think about that. You know, we think sin, jumping off into sin, adultery, fornication, lying, cheating, and those are all sin. Those are all wrong. But folks, the, the, the Bible says, the Bible says that I'm not supposed to judge my brother. I'm not supposed to criticize my brother. I'm, right? I'm not supposed to cause offense to my brother. I'm not supposed to be offended at my brother. Now that can be very elementary because we hear these things, but the Bible says that's a mark of maturity. 
If you take two people and, and you have one that, that moves in the gifts of the Spirit and is very vocal and, and looks very spiritual, but yet they're easily offended, and you've got somebody over here that, that rarely does anything where, you know, the, the vocal gifts and things are concerned, but they walk in love and they're not easily offended and they don't cast a stumbling block before people, that's the spiritual person. That's the spiritual person. And God will use that person. Amen. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, I've, I've watched over the years, and, 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 you know, people that are always talking about, uh, uh, now, I'm careful with this because I know God speaks to all of us, and you should value that. But here's, here's the thing. Uh, when, when you see somebody that will always talk about how they have an anointing to do this, when, when we started the praise team, I can't tell you how many people came out of the woodwork. They are anointed to be on the praise team. Now, they can't come to church three Sundays in a row, but they're anointed to be on the praise team. They can't help but get offended if somebody looks at them wrong, but they're anointed to be on the praise team. No, honey, not. Yeah, but I can sing. It, that, that doesn't matter. The, the, the Bible doesn't say it's okay to be offended as long as you can sing. This is not what it says. Right? Amen. I, I, I would rather hear somebody that is two octaves off on every song but would walk in love and not be offended and is concerned about other people growing than to hear the smoothest voice in the world, but yet they can't, not, they can't walk without being offended or critical or judgmental of somebody else. Amen. I'm preaching just as good as you're letting on. <laughs> Amen. See, this, this, this is, where, is, is where we're growing. This is how, how, how we're growing. And so when he says that jumping off place for sin, yes, you should be considered of those things that we mentioned, but he says serving one another. So I'm concerned about how you perceive my life as a believer. It, 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 it matters. You know, over the years, you've heard people say, well, you know, uh, 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 preacher's kids, oh, they're the worst kids in the world. And uh, they're not. I, just so you'll know, I raised five of them. They're, they're not. But the, the I'm, well, I'm raising the fifth one. But amen. I, I raised some good kids. And, and none of them, you know, none of them hate the ministry. Because they never came home and heard mom and dad talking about people. They never heard us talking about church members. They, they never heard us talking about our enemies. Right? Because they are forming their opinion based on what I'm saying in my home. Amen. Lily got her paper today, and it was, it was for Father's Day. Today was her last day in school, and uh, it was all about my dad. And, and uh, the very first line said, what is your dad's name? And she said, Pastor. <laughs> because, because when he goes to church to help people, everybody calls him Pastor. So I asked her the other day at breakfast, I said, Lily, what's my name? She said, Pastor. Now, she doesn't comprehend Philip yet, but the, amen. But, but my point is, she thinks all y'all have wings. 
Why? Because that's only right. Amen. Am I, am I helping you? Hallelujah. The word for love here is agape. And that refers to the God kind of love, divine love produced by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 says, uh, uh, but the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The, the Weiss Bible says it, it has been shed abroad and it still floods them. It's been poured into our hearts. So that means I can always walk in love because the love of God has been poured in my heart. It's a never-ending source. It's a never-ending supply. If I choose to walk in love, I always have the ability, I always have the reserves and the resources to do it. But I've got to choose to do it. The essence of this love, notice, is self-sacrificed, self-sacrificed, for the benefit of the one that is loved. Self-sacrifice so it will benefit you. Well, in a very elementary, simple context, that means that maybe there's times there's things I just don't say because it won't benefit you. Amen. Sometimes the right opinion is no opinion. Amen. Well, I have a right to my opinion. Well, see, right there is where you get out of love. Because 1 Corinthians 13 was not written to Americans with a constitution that says we have certain inalienable inalienable rights, such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's how some people read that. The, The Bible says love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. That love does not demand its own way. I'm not talking in 1 Corinthians 13, but what what I want you to see is there are things, even though it might be an opinion, and we would say just an opinion, that is it going to benefit the one that I love? I've got got to think about this. How is this going to affect them? Amen. This love means two things, death to self and defeat to sin. When you're walking in love, it it means death to self and defeat to sin. I talked last week about how every time you walk in love, you're crucifying your flesh. Every time. Why? Because all of those desires, all of the, if, if, if there's an element of carnality there, love, love stops it. Love nails it to the cross. Love puts it to death. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So death to self and defeat to sin. Here's why. Because the essence of sin itself is self-will and self-gratification. That's the essence of sin. I want to do it, so I'm going to do it. That would gratify me. And, and what, whatever the, 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 the issue may be. I want to give them a piece of my mind, so I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I have a right to tell them what I think. But Paul is the one that said, you know, there's things I can do, but I shouldn't do. Because I've got to pay attention, right? The essence of sin is self-will and self-gratification. Hallelujah. The word serve, notice he says, but by love 
Serve one another. Am I helping you tonight? The word serve, we talked about it last week, is from a Greek word that means to render service. And I like this. To do that which is to the advantage of someone else. To render service or to do that which is to, of an advantage to someone else. Oh, hallelujah. So he says, don't use your liberty to sin, but use your liberty, walk in love, and by doing that, render service that's to the advantage of someone else. Amen. In uh, Romans 12, we'll come back to Galatians, but in Romans 12, Paul says something that I, that I saw a number of years ago. Verse 9, he says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. When he uses that word value or, or honor, it means in the Greek valuables of the highest degree or precious. So he says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor. And so he's saying, you look at the person sitting next to you as valuable to the highest degree, precious to you. And, 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 of course, this would include your spouse if you're married. But in its perfect context, he's writing to the church. And he says the brother or sister in your church should be valuable to the highest degree and precious to us. Amen. And then he says, here's how you do this. Here's how you honor them. Preferring one another. Preferring one another. That word preferring means to lead the way for others. It comes from a word that means out in front of, prior to, figuratively superior to. So so it means that where love is concerned, we're to lead the way for other people. We're to be out in front where walking in love is is concerned. And, And we're to... Consider the person that we're walking in love with figuratively superior to us. All that means is you're putting them in this position of honor and you're doing it on purpose. So that's Christian maturity. That's, that's being a mature believer. The, the, world, the world tries to put everybody down. As believers, we're supposed to lift everybody up. Right? That's what, that's what he said. Encouraging, edifying one another. Right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we've been rescued from the bondage that legalism imposed. And we've been brought into this new life of servanthood to God. But here's something else. And to each other. So I'm a child of God. That's my, that's my standing. And I, and I serve. As a child of God, I serve. Serve God and I serve others. Amen. See, don't fall into the mistaken, uh, I, I uh, 
used to, uh, when Pastor Michelle and I first moved to Kansas City, we attended a church. It was a great church, great pastor, still a, a good man of God, great church. But uh, they, they had a real old school pulpit furniture. And uh, they had a big chair for the pastor. And over the pastor's head, uh, uh, engraved in the wood, was the word servant. Well, that's true. All right? But here's where people make a mistake sometimes. They look and they point at the leadership of a church and they say, y'all are supposed to be serving us. When the Bible says we serve one another. Right? Now, I know pastors that take submission and things like that too far and y'all, and they demand that people serve them. Well, I mean, obviously that's going too far. But here's the thing. Nobody just comes to church and sits to be served. We come to church and we serve and we are served. It's mutual. It's mutual living. It's, 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 it's mutually expressive. I serve you, you serve me. I'm serving you tonight. I'm ministering the word to you. I'm serving you. This is what my gift avails me to do. I can serve you the word of God. I'm helping you grow. I'm edifying you. I'm exhorting you. I'm furnishing you. I'm equipping you. Amen. That's part of my service. Amen. But praying with you is serving you. Praying for your family is serving you. Going to the hospital when someone's sick, that's serving. That's, that's not my job. That's what we do as believers. Nobody gets paid to walk in love. We just, we just, that's what we do. We are of love. The Bible says you are of God, little children. And God is love. So that's what we're of. We're of love. Love is what makes us up. Hallelujah. <clears throat> when the fallen nature tries to get us to use our freedom as a pretext to sin, this is the victory over that fallen nature whose power was broken when we were saved. The power of the fallen nature was broken when I was born again, and the way I exert victory over it is walk in love. The devil can't get a foothold in your life when you're willing to walk in love. Just can't. He just can't. Notice in Galatians 6 and verse 1. Whew, I feel like I'm throwing a lot at you quickly. Galatians 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So he says, first of all, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual. Well, he just outlined what spiritual was. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. He says that's a spiritual person. And then he comes down here in, in well, we would say chapter 6, the next paragraph of that letter, and he says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Now, the word overtaken, it means a, a, a fall, a false step, a, a, a slip, a blunder, a failure to achieve. All right? It can mean a slip or a lapse rather than a willful sin. I looked at this some years ago in, in the Greek, and this is, this is describing a guy that got up in the morning and he had no intention of going and sinning that day. But somewhere in the day, he slipped or he tripped. 
or he got blindsided by something and he, and he made a mistake. He sinned. He missed it. All right? It's, it's, it's the picture of a person that wants to do right, yet they did the wrong thing. Amen. And notice what Paul says. He says, if a brother, you know what it says? If a man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, that's a good place to say, he's talking about me. Try that again. Say, he's talking about me. You who are spiritual, notice, restore. Restore. Isn't it interesting? He didn't say expose. He said restore. I know people say, well, he should know better. Well, I understand, but see, you just, you just got out of that next verse where it says, do it in the spirit of meekness. Considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Right? And, and, and you know, I'm just going to stay with the context of what I've been saying. You're always going to be tempted to give somebody a piece of your mind. But Paul says, consider yourself. Do it in meekness. Restore this person. Amen. Now, when you're talking about walking in love, here's what will always come up. Well, you know, if I forgive that person, they'll just walk on me again. That's, that is not love. That's putting myself first. If I forgive them, they'll walk on me again. And after all, God doesn't expect me to be a doormat. No, He doesn't. But He does expect you to forgive. Don't make me quote that scripture. That this is how my father will be to the man that doesn't forgive from the heart. You know what he said? He said there are things God cannot do for people because they won't forgive. Because that forgiveness frees you. I'm not saying you don't have to put parameters up. Amen. There are people you need to forgive and then close the door. Right? And and don't allow them to run their game anymore. But you have forgiven them. You're not holding it against them. You have forgiven them. Because I'm walking in love. And love would say when you see change and you see advancement in their life, and you see that they're really making an effort and making the change and doing the work and chopping the wood and getting up every day doing what they need to do, then love would say, open the door crack and see how they're doing. Right? I I, I knew a, a lady, still know a lady. She's a wonderful lady, wonderful woman of God. And she came in a prayer line one time. And uh, by the Holy Spirit, I could see she was just wore out. And, and I knew some things naturally, but the, the Spirit said some things to me. Her and her husband were, were struggling. He was older and sick. He had cancer. And, and, and he, matter of fact, he died not too long after that. And, and she was the only one working in the house. Her husband was getting disability, but, but you know, that, that, that wasn't much. And she had a grown son living in the house. It wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. And, and he's living off mom. And mom's working at the cafeteria and working two jobs. And, and, and you know, she was older then. She's older now. And she was, she was older then. And I said by the Holy Spirit. I knew what was going on naturally. But I, I stayed out of it because it, it, it wasn't my business. 
And the Holy Spirit said to her, you need to quit letting that adult son do this to you and you need to give him an option to get a job or move. Right? But here, here was her mindset. Here was her mindset. Well, where's he going to go? I don't know. Right? But they, they, they wouldn't change that. Because to them, that was not walking in love. When in reality, the exact opposite would have been walking in love. So when that thought comes up, well, you know, I can't just let people walk on me. Well, no, you can't. God doesn't expect that. But you do have to forgive them. That's important. Because, because the love of God very often is what shows people the error of their ways. Amen. And so he said, restore them. So those that are spiritual refer to those that are walking in the Spirit and thereby walking in love. Paul says they're to restore this brother. And restore means to repair or to restore to a former good condition. Repair or restore to a former good condition. That's our job. How can I repair that person? How can I restore them to a former good condition? Yeah, but do you know what they did? That's not what the Bible said. It said, if they're overtaken in a fault, you that are spiritual. Now, we want to be spiritual. Restore. Repair. Restore them to a former good condition. It, it also is used of setting bones. Putting a dislocated limb in place. Now here's where the first scripture we, we read comes in. Speaking the truth in love. I, I have broken bones in my life. And here's one thing that I learned. Breaking them hurts and setting them hurts. When you break an arm or a leg it hurts. And when you get it set it hurts. Because everything's out of joint. Everything's dislocated. When I was uh, eight, eight or nine years old, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a meeting, and uh, I slipped in, just a kid, uh, back in that day, uh, I'm going to date myself, but back in that day, uh, they, they, in the hotel, they had all the, the, the towels above the toilet and the little rack, and, and you know, uh, it wasn't, wasn't like today. And I climbed up on the toilet to get a, 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 a towel, and I slipped and fell and broke my arm. And, uh, of course, you know, I was hoping it wasn't broken, but, you know, when there's a big V in your arm, it's broke. And so they, 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 they took me to the hospital. And there's two things that I remember about that. Is that, number one, the doctor did not make any pretense about it. This is going to hurt. Because they had to pull the arm and push the arm. Whew! I know, I don't... I, Makes me want to slap him now just thinking about it. But I'm going to walk in love. Slap is not a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> but but I, I remember that. I remember that. And, and there wasn't a lot they could do. I mean, there wasn't a lot they could do to, to numb it up. It just it had to be done. And his mindset was, was the pain will be intense, but it will be short, and it will be over. The second thing I remember is my dad standing there by me. 
just holding on to me wherever he could. You know, he wanted to help me, but there was nothing he could do. He knew it was going to hurt, and it did. It was blinding pain for however long. I don't remember. But, but you know, when he quit pushing and pulling, boy, it sure felt good. Well, here's the point. What was that doctor doing? Speaking the truth in love. It hurt. There was no way around it. it I was injured. My arm was broke. Amen. But because he, he did it, because he knew that was what was going to fix it. When someone makes a misstep or a false step or they slip, right? The Bible says we restore them. And that might include setting some things back in place. Snapping some things back in place. Maybe i got to speak the truth in love. But brother, I'm doing it because I love you. I know, it, I know it's going to hurt for a moment, but I love you with all of my heart and I want better for you and I want you to keep doing what God wants you to do with your life. Amen. If folks, it's always more important to keep a friend than win a fight. It's all, always more important. Amen. And so, so you do what you've got to do to walk in love. And, and don't get into the, all the, the, the whys and wherefores and, and, and what people do. Well, that, that guy knew better and, you know, he should have he known better than that and he did this. That, that's not, it doesn't say that. It, I, I don't read here where it says if a man's overtaken in a fault, uh, you know, uh, dissect it, find out exactly what he should have done and, and, you know, correct him and, and it says restore him. And he says to do that in meekness, not with a haughty attitude. <laughs> yeah, you missed it. But I guess we'll let you stay. No. <laughs> Restore them in meekness, in private. Hallelujah. I, in, in, in almost 25 years of full-time pastoral work, I've never, if it, well, let me say it this way. I've only had to correct one person from the pulpit ever. And they, they just wouldn't let me give me any other way around it. It was a public correction. I only had to do that once. Because you can, you can handle things in private. That's how love does. Amen. Let me, let me hurry. So Paul says to restore them. Spirit, Paul said spiritual people will help a fallen brother bring things back into line and help to repair the damage that was the result of his fall. Repair and restore. Amen. And he says to do this in the spirit of meekness. The Amplified Bible says without a sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keep in an attentive eye on yourself lest you should be tempted also. Keeping an attentive eye on yourself. Amen. That, that's important. You know, one, one, one church father said it this way. He said he saw a man one day that was in sin and lost in sin. And I believe he was an alcoholic staggering down the road. And he said, the only thing I could say was there before the grace of God goes I. That's it. That, that would be me if it wasn't for the grace of God. And, 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 and that's how I try to deal with people. How would I want people to deal with me? In, in, in areas of my life where I could have missed it or I could have, I could have failed, you know, how would, I, how would I want people to, to help me? 
And he said, when we do this, we fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ? John 15, he tells us. I'm almost done. <clears throat> this, this is maturity. So I'm always looking for how, how can I help my brother or sister? How, how can I help them grow? How can I help restore different things? I, I've, I've made it a practice in my life over the years. If somebody, a brother or sister comes to me and they say, Pastor, I need you to forgive me. I say immediately, done. Done. And I've had people say, but, but hang on, let me tell you why. Well, you can tell me, but you don't need to. It's done. I had somebody come to me uh, in healing school and, and they wanted to ask me to forgive them about something. And I said, okay, done. They said, well, here's why. Well, you can tell me if you want, but it's done. Doesn't matter. Because that's forgiving freely. Hallelujah. John 15, and let's start in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Paul said that when I restore my brother in a spirit of meekness, that I'm fulfilling this. I'm loving my brother as Christ has loved me. That's what's important, is I'm loving as Christ loved me. And how did Christ love me? Gave himself for me. So as I'm wrapping this up, so in love there's always a giving of one person to another person. And, and very often we talk about, well, love takes the low road, and we don't expound on that enough. The low road is not a bad thing. It means I'm giving myself for you. Right? I'm, I'm taking the inferior position, letting you have the superior position, but I'm doing it because I love you. That, that, that's what's important. And when everybody, think, think about the kind of church we have, which is so great. Think about how much greater we will be when everybody is competing to see who gets to serve the other one the best. It's going to be amazing. And it is amazing. Hallelujah. And that keeps you out of the fray. That keeps you out of the fray. Because I'm, I'm concerned about serving each other. Serving my brother. Serving my sister. Serving the person sitting next to me. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that we're growing in the things of God. Father, we thank you that we're maturing. That with each passing day, each service, each week, we're, we're growing up into the things of God. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's stand up tonight.